Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado. I am a photographer here in beautiful, sunny Miami, Florida. And each week, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today, we are joined by Carlos Ramirez, founder and CEO of Powerful Foods, a Miami Beach-based business that was born out of the commitment to create delicious, high-protein products to fuel an active lifestyle. The Powerful product line can be found online and in nearly 10,000 grocery and specialty stores in the U.S., Ireland, and across the world. On today's episode, we talk to Carlos about the idea for the business, as well as the disruptive and very polarizing marketing strategy used to launch the product, which resulted in the company being featured on the Today Show, Conan O'Brien, Esquire Magazine, CNN, and much more. We also talk about the impact being from Venezuela and coming to the U.S. had on his outlook in life, business, and even how he is raising his kids, as well as the exciting plans Carlos and his company are working on. Please enjoy this fun and engaging conversation with Carlos Ramirez. Carlos, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much, Marty. So today, Powerful Foods is, you know, you guys are selling oatmeal, you guys are selling smoothies, drinks, and all that, but it all started with yogurt for men. That's correct. And with a simple, but it was a very powerful and very polarizing uh, marketing positioning for the product. So maybe we can start there, start with the beginning, the idea for the company, for the marketing, some of the... Sure. The, 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 the stuff that happened in the beginning and, and we can just kind of go from there. Cool. Cool. Um, well, I think to talk about the company, I need to talk a little bit about myself. Of course. Because I've always been in corporate world, doing consulting, working for big companies. And then this is kind of the first uh, entrepreneur endeavor that I have. But always, while working on the other companies, always doing something on the side. So kind of the big change was when I was working for Alpina. Uh, big dairy company in Colombia. They uh, hired me as a consultant to get into the U.S. and then I, they hired me as their CEO to uh, to basically do everything here in the U.S. So I had like a nice deck that we put together as a consultant and then all of a sudden I was in charge of developing it. Of executing it. <laughs> and then you realize that consultants are full of uh, a lot of stuff. <laughs> so uh, I was like, hey, I have this big deck that I have to execute. So I started doing it and uh, it was just me at the very beginning. And it was a nice opportunity because I had the opportunity to be an entrepreneur with the financial muscle of a big company like Alpina. Right. So I learned a lot through that process. When I left the company, we were 80. Uh, I built a Greek yogurt facility in Ops in New York. The entire brokerage, uh, brokerage network, distribution network. So everything for them. And, um, you know, along the way, I was looking at the shelves and I was like, everything is white and pink. And everything that I'm doing as Alpina is the same. So I call it sameness. Right. It's sameness. You know, you go there. And everybody's like, oh, probiotics. And, you know, the kind of the aha moment was when I was in front of a computer and I was browsing um, your play, Danone, at the time, Briars, that no longer exists as a yogurt. And the models that we're using, kind of the same women. I was like, this is insane. And I was <laughs> actually- like stock photography. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and at the same time, I was actually consuming a lot of Greek yogurt uh, because of the protein content, you know, working out. And I was like, nobody is talking about this. At the same time, protein was going mainstream. Still is going mainstream, but you see it went from the typical GNC powdery type of product that tastes like chalk, but it doesn't matter because it's a functional thing more than anything else for the guy that goes to the gym to, you know, 
people understanding that you need protein in your daily diet. So that was for me the mega trend. And I took advantage of the situation and the opportunity that I saw that there's nothing on the shelf on yogurt. So nobody's talking about the protein, but probiotics and stomachs and, and right. digestive systems. And so on one end, you have like this very soft, very, I want to say woman focused uh, messaging. And then on the other end, you have like the GNCs that are just like, you know, it's like almost like science. You're like getting ripped and getting big. And, okay. But people, mainstream people is saying, I need 70% of Americans say, I need Right. Protein in my daily diet. So that's kind of the aha moment for me too. On the other side, you know, you see the controversy of it. And, you know, I, I worked for um, Sergio Seaman, used to be the CEO, I mean, CMO of a Coca-Cola company and very controversial marketing. And I learned a lot from him on that end. So I said, there's an opportunity here to be controversial. The, the industry is very conservative. The category in yogurt is, hmm. again, women and everything's nice and beautiful. That's, you know, the target market, 70% of the consumers of are women. All right. So... I, I had my idea. I want to have the first dairy um, cup or a, or a yogurt cup that is black. It's gonna see, you know, you're gonna see that different. So I had the idea. I put it. I put it together. And I said, you know what? I need to push the envelope more. So let's call this the very first yogurt for men. And you know, when after that positioning, yogurt for men, yogurt for men, and it paid off. You know, initially, actually, they call me dumb. They call me genius. They call me sexist. They call me a bunch of stuff. But it was perfect because that I can manage, and the product was amazing. So, you know, if they, if they talk badly about the product, that's one thing that is a problem. But, you know, the product, it's amazing. Everybody right. loves the yogurt. Wow, oh, but this is so dumb. The guys talk about, you know, yogurt for men. <laughs> and then the guys thought, oh, this is amazing. You're a genius. And, and, you know, we managed. You're getting talked about. Right? Well, and, and the great thing, and it was pure luck or coincidence or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, we got, um, one day they called me and said, dude, your product is on the Today Show. I said, whoa. So apparently, and it, it, it all, you know, bad news that actually break into good news. There was a, a website, a blogger that wrote, they trashed the positioning. They trashed the position. They told me that it was dumb and, you know, they really, really trashed it. And then that's how I, Today Show actually picked it up. They read that and it's like, well, let's see what's this all about. And they actually had a positive spin on it. And this is great. The product's amazing. Um, so after the Today Show, it was like ripple effect. Um, Jay Leno, Anderson Cooper talked about the product. Conan O'Brien did a whole segment on Brogurt, and they called the product Brogurt, um, and it was amazing. I mean, I actually have the trademark right now for Brogurt. <laughs> I thought, you know, this is a, <laughs> a great That's idea awesome. to have it. So $5 million in our media. So that's a perfect launch shot. <laughs> I had an interview. I always say this story because it was so funny that I got a call from Squire. And if you Google it, Squire Powerful Yogurt, um, I was remembering this little uh, suite in, uh, in New York. And I called a call. I, I couldn't actually hear it that well. And they say, hey, you know, they're saying that you're sexy, blah, blah. I'm like, sexy? I'm like, wow, I've been hitting <laughs> well, the yin. Nice. You know, yeah, it's like super flattering. This is going like, amazing. I was like, yeah, I'm killing it. <laughs> and the guy, like, for five seconds, like, you know, nobody talking on the phone. I was like, no, no, I said sexist. I'm like, oh, now I get it. Um, wow. But anyways, the guy was like, well, you know, they're saying that you're marketing a, a beautiful man and that's super sexist. I'm like. Guys, if you think about it, the industry has been all about women. And you know, it's starting to women. Is that not sexist? If that is sexist, then I'm sexist. So the next day, like super macho CEO, yes, I'm sexist. And again, it was amazing. So what's going through your head? So you're launching the, the company and then you're quickly met with this polar opposites. You know, some people are just absolutely love it. 
Some people are absolutely trashing it. What's going through your head as you're trying to get this going and you're seeing these two reactions? Are you thinking, yes, fantastic? Or are you thinking, what did I just do? Where did I go wrong? You know, it's, um, and it, I, I see now in hindsight, actually a lot of stuff that I do is the same. I mean, I'm so focused on what I have to do that I didn't pay too much attention of, uh, I didn't let the noise affect of what I wanted to do. Right. So, you know, I was doing it and doing it and doing it. It's like, everyone's like, it's amazing what's going on. Or somebody's like, are you concerned? You know, I'm like, I'm focused on my thing. I'm focused on my thing. I need distribution. I need to keep spending. I need to talk to stores. I need to talk to different buyers. And, you know, so focused on being on the street. I literally, when I started, I was like selling yogurts in the streets and getting rejected by some uh, buyers and retailers and some were accepting the product. So that was my day-to-day. And I didn't let that affect. I actually was using it, of course, from a marketing perspective, but really didn't let that affect in, in any in right. any way, my my plan on, on my business plan. Nice. Um, you also paired that with with the campaign that I saw while I was doing research of like find your inner apps. And again, there's like another like you're pushing the envelope on how you were doing. I saw that on the website. You guys could scroll by doing crunches and and all that stuff. So maybe talk about yeah that campaign, how that all paired. It's um I think that it's still part of the DNA of a company. And if you think about it, I'm trying to do a product that is for mainstream market. But I don't want them to think about this. I mean, if you see the black cop, powerful. And you might tend to think about the GNC type of product again. So we wanted to infuse a little bit of, you know, fun in the brand. It has to be, you know, you have to joke about it. You have to understand that it has to be for the mainstream market again. If you go to uh, G- um, GNC, I'm, I'm picking GNC, but you know, vitamin shop or whatever these stores, you see that the, the ingredients on those products, sometimes you don't understand half of them or even more. Uh, it's just functional. It's a, it's a lab-driven type of product. Uh, mine is tasteful. Mine is, you know, it's tasty. It's something that you need to eat every day and you want it. So, you know, we wanted to be that cool guy. Uh, so that's why we had all this fun in the, in our branding. Um, and those videos, we had a lot of fun. Actually, there's some that I didn't publish at all. <laughs> I was, it was a little bit too extreme. Uh, you, you would, well, you, the apps one, actually, we didn't push that one that much. You okay. do apps and you kind of <laughs> reveal right. the pictures of uh, women. That was a little bit too much. But in general, that was the type of marketing. The thing that happened is that when we started growing and, you know, we were first in 60 stores, 100 stores, and we started growing and, you know, at some point in time, you start having the issues of the controversy. Right. And, um, you know, I had like great partners, for instance, Walmart is a great partner. In- incredible. On the other hand, Whole Foods, you would think that is a company that, you know, can help Whole Foods all day, not Whole Foods after Amazon. Right. Listen to this. I had this incredible. I had this buyer in New York. So I go there, I wait for an hour. She meet the buyer. She finally accepts him and okay, get in. And I put the yogurt down. And she's like, oh, this is a male yogurt? It's not going to happen. So I'm like, what? All right. Bye. Then they have this locally produced program where if you are produced in the region, you can talk directly to the store manager. So I did that. I went for one store in New York and the guy said, let's test it out. Did really well. Two stores, three stores, four, five, six. The, the buyer, the regional buyer, she was like, what the heck? going on um she calls me up she said you are not a new york company I'm like, no i'm a florida company but the product is produced in new york mm. so seven eight nine ten fifteen stores uh we got up to 26 stores in new york wow and she was super pissed off super pissed off and one day i was in a trade show with my product uh, provocative marketing so i had a sexy nurse dressed in black and she was doing this amazing thing that was everybody was having so much fun because we put a guy in a 
sonogram, these ones that they use for, for pregnant women. For babies and everything. For babies, yeah. So you will sit down and, you know, literally it was actually working. So you would put it and it was a program where you will see like nachos and pizza slices, uh, you know, floating <laughs> around your stomach. And then she will keep digging and boom, you're in her apps. There are your apps. So, you know, yes. it's all about, and then we will print it out and you will go out, you can post it about like, like you find oh, a baby, apps, right? you know, you go, oh, I have a new baby. Well, there's our, those are your apps. It was very, it was a fun type of activity right. and execution. And she was up around. She took a picture of uh, the nurse when she was leaning over. And then she sent me um, a picture, the picture saying, this is why we're kicking you out of uh, Whole Foods because you're sexist. Wow. But at the end, you know, like I said, I mean, there are some others that they understand and they like the position. And then we, then I evolved the brand to be what I wanted to be. There's so many women also like enjoying the, the product and everything. So it seems like you've, even though you had started off with this like strong focus on men, you've kind of been able to get the, you know, have your cake and eat it too. You've been able to reach women too. And so. that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know what happened actually, because we had the vision of, I want to do a protein platform. Uh, but when I saw that we received a lot of feedback from women saying, Hey, I'm powerful too. Where's my power. Right. I mean, you're talking to these guys, but I'm, I'm powerful. And we acknowledge and we say, you know, right. it was a marketing stunt. We know that actually women are so, you know, sometimes more, even more powerful than guys. So uh, we started doing that. And especially when I launched the drinks, um, you know, my powerful chocolate drink tastes like chocolate milk. And that thing flew um, and, and women started loving the product. So, you know, we, what we did is we evolved the branding in a way that you still see the black, you still see that we are kind of, you know, in your face and, and bold. And that's part of our DNA always. But now, you know, we're talking to a active lifestyles in general. You know, you're powerful, you're powerful to not just work out, but, you know, we talk a lot about mental fitness and, you know, that's people that, that's why we have these uh, followers. And those guys are very well identified with the brand because it brands like that. So that's kind of the evolution that we did. And, um, and it was a little bit also, you know, planned and at the same time forced because it's no longer 60 stores, you know, it's a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Today we're in 10,000 stores. And that's something that, you know, you have to be Are more. you all over the United States? no. We're actually 80% of our footprint is in uh, the Northeast. Oh, wow. uh, okay. We haven't touched the West Coast, which is huge markets, another country. Right. And we need to, um, we're going to explore the, the, the West Coast this year. But on purpose. And, People you know, here in Miami can also like, I mean, I see it in all the publics that I go to and all of that stuff, right? Yeah, so. it's in, in it's, um, all the products you can find in Walmart, more than oh. anything else. Uh, Publics were testing the waters with yogurts and drinks. But in Walmart, we have the, the bites, the, the oatmeal, all the smoothies, everything product. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm very grateful for the partnership that we have with Walmart. And it's incredible. You know, you go to Walmart and you think that this monster is going to eat you and kill you and crush you. When I went there the first time, I actually didn't go. You know, they call me. I'm like, ah, you know, I wouldn't have my strategy of developing my brand in a nice, beautiful place like Whole Foods. And then you start scheming down and it's like, don't be stubborn. Come on over here. Let's start with 60 stores and four yogurts. And if it goes well, let's see. If it goes bad, no, nobody, I don't care. You don't care. Okay, that's fine. So we started with 60 stores. And I had the fortune of finding this great buyer. And in general, the buyers at Walmart, they really understand the categories that they're in. They're super knowledgeable because they have all the data in their so hands. So much data, of course. Yeah. Incredible. So, you know, they, they kind of coach you. And they. I remember one meeting that I had in second, third year that I, I was in 500 stores and I said, I want the 2,000 stores, 3,000 stores. I can make this happen. And, you know, I wanted to grow like crazy. And the buyer was like, wait, I don't want to burn you. You know, you, you're not, you're going to have problems if I put you in 3,000 stores. No, I can do it. 
And then she ate, she did, you know, like 700 stores and we went up to 2,000, 2,500 little by little. But then I realized what she was saying. I said, uh, wow. I mean, she was totally right. <laughs> so it's almost like this relationship turned into almost like business coaching in, in, in essence, right? It's been like that. Yeah, it's been like that. Um, of course, uh, there's good, bad and ugly in, in, in every relationship. But, uh, but I've been uh, very um, grateful with, with the business uh, with Walmart. You also got a chance, as you kind of talked a little bit, um, to sharpen your like marketing teeth. That's like your background with Coca-Cola and P&G and all of that stuff. Obviously, that informs a lot of how you've approached your company. You know, would you consider yourself a marketer first or a business person first? And then, you know, somebody who's passionate about yogurt or, or is it the other way around? Like you were just passionate about this field and you kind of figured out what you needed to do in order to yeah. do what you wanted to do. Which one would you say? Yeah, what's a chicken or egg here? Yeah. I, mean, I, I never thought, and I actually, this is something that I said a lot. I never thought I was going to be selling yogurts. Yeah, it's not in one of those things that life, people... Like, yeah, I want to be a yogurt maker. <laughs> I mean, there's people that do that. I, in my case, I'm like, I never thought about that. So I, I think that it's... I started as a marketeer. I started as an engineer. You know, I'm an engineer by, by um, uh, education. Okay. So I'm an engineer. What, what I, kind of engineer? Um, production engineer. Okay. So I went to Procter to a, work for a shampoo. Actually, it was a detergent plant. And really very... Fast, I figured that ah, this is not what I like. So I, I moved into, and that's the nice thing about Procter that allow you to move internally. So I went into marketing and then from marketing, um, marketing consulting. And then I was developing a little bit in Verizon, but it was more business development. And then my MBA, which I use a lot to pivot. Uh, so I went to Berkeley for that. And then I, I literally pursued Sergio. I saw Sergio in one speech before even coming to the U.S., and I wanted to work for him. And I knew that he was creating this marketing consulting firm. I went after that and, and I worked for him for five years. So I think that it was more a marketeer at the very beginning. But today, if I think about the last seven years, six years with Powerful, I'm a doer. You have to make things happen. If not, you're dead. And, you know, when I remember my days as a corporate guy and doing corporate stuff and, man, I was like, you, this guy sometimes are dreaming. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not even close to reality. Um, and, you know, it's a reality of a corporation, but... Really, to make things happen, you have to hit the street. You have to, you know, I have to raise capital. And I'm talking sometimes with the private equity and sometimes I'm actually helping the guys here to bring some yogurts up. And then I go to the street and have to sell this stuff. And I talk to the merchandise. If you're a publisher, dude, where's my yogurt? And it's in the back. Come on, help me out. And then you have to, you know, talk to a little social media guy. And then you talk to the big agency. So it's whatever it takes. Right. So that, that personality is like what I've been developing lately. So, you know, it's more like I'm a doer, more than a marketeer, more than a businessman, more you got to do what you got to do right? to make things happen. So you strike me as someone who's very positive, very driven, just kind of put your blinders on and go. Where do you think that comes from? Is that something that you were born with? Is that something that you were, your parents maybe helped develop in you? It's a huge combination of ingredients that you need to put in this sauce. But um, number one, I agree when I step back. Sometimes I'm, when you're in the battle... You have the fears, you have all the stuff that is going on, the doubts, all that stuff is happening. So when I step back, it's like, wow, all this stuff that I've done, you know, if you take a minute and you think about it, yes, I mean, you, it's basically being driven, it's basically being resilient. That thing that is making you move and, and you know, when you're just about to break, like, gotta try again, <laughs> gotta try again, gotta try again, gotta try again. So like I say, it's a combination. I think the last six years have definitely been important in shaping that, drive 
been always driven, but you know, that the last six years, it's like, you know, I remember I, I almost quit the very second year and then the third year and then the fourth year. And then and every year I'm like, right. okay, I'm done. Of, <laughs> but then you find that little thing that is again, you know, driving you to make it happen. What is it? What, what, what is that little thing for you that keeps ah, you going? That I can't quit. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a baby that you have. And even though, you know, you raise capital and stuff, it's like, I need to make this, I need to see this through. Whatever it is, I need to see this through. I need to close the cycle. But, um, you know, it's professional, professional, you know, talking about the professional life, there's one thing, the career. Personal-wise, I think that there's one thing that is important is, you know, the fact that I think that Venezuelans in general, you know, we had this situation that happened and has happened in every single country that has some issues and then they have to migrate and then you see the people, you know, trying to do something else in a different country with different right. uh, society, different, everything is different. So you are definitely pushed out of your comfort zone. And that, I think that is kind of the, the common um, denominator that you see in all these, you know, the Irish when they came here, the Italians when they travel, the, the Spanish, the Portuguese. I mean, all these different cultures that they travel because they have to migrate because there was an issue or war or whatever it was. You have to find, you are out of your comfort zone. If you're out of your comfort zone, you have to either make it happen or you, or you don't survive. So you're putting it on an extreme. If you have to make it happen somehow, you have to get out of your comfort zone, you learn, you evolve, you grow. Right. It's that immigrant mentality. And I think there's a, you know, if I can, if I can, I would add that it's not just coming from a challenging background, but it's the fact that when you, all of a sudden you get to the United States and you like these doors just open up all of these opportunities, all of these things that you couldn't do back in your country, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's exactly now I can run. Like it's this exactly is, right. I don't know if this is going to be here forever. Like, so I got to make the most of it. While I can. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I think that, again, um, the U.S. is unique on that on that matter. I mean, I, I always say that I don't think, at least that I know, and I, I've traveled, not that much, but I don't think that I can do powerful in any other country like I'm doing in the U.S. Mm. You know, I don't own plants. I don't own trucks. I don't own, I don't have a big sales force. But there's such a nice platform here in the U.S. And it's so entrepreneurial right. that, you know, I was able to make a very strong brand um, and launch it and, and compete with, I'm competing with monsters. You know, I'm sitting on the shelf with Danone. That's an $8 billion company. I'm sitting on the shelf next to Coke and Pepsi and Quaker. And, you know, we, I don't think that that can happen in any other country. Right. So to your point, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, we have to take advantage of this. We have to go after it. So definitely the country, definitely the U.S. has been, you know, a nice platform in, in our home for, for that matter. Um, and then there's a personal component in my family. I mean, we, I have a nice, I was again, privileged to grow in middle class in Venezuela. My dad busted his ass. He's, he worked like crazy. He came from nothing, from nothing to be a, a nice lawyer, a great lawyer. And all those things you're like, I'm watching him. It's like, if he comes from nothing and got here, it's not fair that I'm come, you know, I have a, and I, he did it in Venezuela. I like, did it in Venezuela right. and I'm at a different level now because of him. Thanks to him. Of course. If you just, if I just grow, what he grew, I should be you know, killing it, right. <laughs> killing it. I haven't been in Venezuela in um, 10 years, um, but it's, it was a choice again. You know, my, my kids, I have two kids, I have two boys, seven and 10 years old, born in, in Miami. Um, so this is home and, you know, we don't feel the rush to go back. Of course, we have a lot of ties to Venezuela, but I'm very, very focused again, very focused on, you know, what I need to do here in the U.S., what I'm doing with my family, what I'm doing with my business, what I'm doing uh, with my now circle of friends. And, and just going to let in. 
So let me dive into that a little bit. You mentioned you have two boys. I have two girls. And and a question that I always like to ask people is, how do you make sure that that better life that they're enjoying right now because of your successes and your parents and all of that, a lot of times that ends up turning into- Spoiling them. Spoiling them mm. or robbing them of that desire to go out and bust their ass and work and, and, and hustle and make things happen for themselves. How are you approaching that with your kids? Well, we are trying because it's always a learning curve. But um, I always uh, say to my wife that, you know, we need to raise our kids with a little bit of hunger and a little bit of cold. Because if you give them everything, then, you know, there's nothing for them to fight for. So it's that. I mean, it's that mentality of, you know, you have what you have because of me. Mm. If I take that away, you have nothing. So you have to fight for what you're doing in, in a good way. Um, you know, in a, in a nice way, in, in a positive way. And I'm very, again, thankful that my two kids are amazing. They understand it. And we have to fight, especially where we live. You know, Miami Beach is... Very superficial, <laughs> very, yeah. You know, you see you see here Ferraris, like like if, like if they are Corollas. I mean, yeah. it's just like crazy. And that's one thing that I actually like to do a lot to travel with my kids. So, you know, last year we went to, to Italy. One of my, fr- my, one of my kids, he's... Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. Okay, you want a Ferrari? So let's go to Modena. So I went to Modena where Enzo Ferrari was born. I show him that there's not a single Ferrari in the streets. Actually, it's just in the museum. Right. And then you know, the fact that that was the city where, uh, where he was born. So a little bit of reality. And then when they could travel, also the, it opens their minds a lot. Um, you know, and you, my kids, they just pick little things here and there. And that's also something that is very important in contact with the family. So we go to Panama a lot so they can see their cousins. Uh, Colombia. So all those, so they see that there's a reality out there that is not just, you know. They're stepping outside of their bubble. Correct. And we push them a lot for that. And, you know, we burst that bubble now and there. I mean, sometimes they fall into it and it's like, dude, life is not about an iPad and seeing a Ferrari here in Miami Beach. I mean, you have to move and you have to earn it. And sometimes you have to work for it. And I made them sometimes work, literally. Right. Uh, you have to, you know, you want this? Okay, wash my car. And then you get it, you earn it. So they understand, you know, my little one, he's seven years old and he saved a lot of money. And he's like, daddy, I don't want to spend this money here because I've been you know, saving for it. I'm like, oh, wow, but you want this candy? Buy it with your money. Right. Uh, so they started understanding that and and I play a lot with them on, you know, investing and what if you invest in this stock and kind of having that mindset. Um, it's, again, it's, it's, it's hard. It's something that we're learning every day. You know, it's, it's, it's in, impossible not to fall into Right. The, the, what the friends are doing, but you know, that's what we try to do with the kids. Any defining moments in your life that you think shaped your, your path and, and allowed you to be where you are today? But I think, again, there's a bunch. And, uh, you know, I try sometimes to avoid that typical thing of, um, oh, what if I, you know, had taken this job or I had right. a dead disordered girl? And, you know, this, it's just, for me, again, I have a goal in mind and I just go after it. And, and the decisions that take in life, it's just um, something that you have to learn from. You know, if I took this job or not, that's fine. If I, if she's helping me on getting my goal achieved and then I, you know, pivot and I learn from this and I go to the next one, the next one, the next one, that's what I've been more about. Um, of course, coming to this was a big decision and I, I, I planned it. I actually, you know, I knew that. At what age did you come? Um, 19 years ago. Okay. So I did, um. I wanted to come earlier. So after my, I, I graduated as an engineer and I worked for a couple of years in Proctor, but I wanted to come and I started applying to universities as a, to do my MBA. So I went to uh, Harvard 
MIT, you know, the big, uh, the big universities and I screw big time. I remember once I was actually in Kellogg in California, I'm in Chicago and I was in the interview and I screw big time. I actually wrote the essay, you have to write these essays and all this stuff. And I, and pretty much the same questions. So I remember the first question that this lady asked me is like, uh, what do you want to study in, in, in Berkeley? I'm like, what? I'm, like, I'm in Northwestern, right? I'm in Caleb, right? And she said, yeah, but you, you said anything that says Berkeley. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, my God. So those screw-ups, <laughs> you know, shaped you again. And, right. you know, the next time I try and I try, and, you know, you, do, you learn from those little mistakes and then you go to the next one. And that's how I actually went to Berkeley and, you know, was a, a failure, if you want to say, that became something really good. And, you know, I ended up having an amazing experience in Berkeley at the right time because probably I was too young when I wanted to go to Kellogg. Then at the right time in, in Berkeley was an amazing experience. So that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, if maybe Kellogg would have been a different story, of course, different set of friends, different set of experiences, and would have led to something different. But, you know. Right. It's like those things that, that at the moment you feel like, oh, man, why did this happen to me? But looking back, you go, wow, that set me up on this, this entire path that, thank God, that happened, right? Incredible. You know, I had like, especially that, for me, when I think about it, it's like, wow. You know, a, a series of events that happened they rejected me, and then I stayed in Venezuela. I applied to another uh, university. I got a scholarship from uh, Emory in Atlanta, from a Coca-Cola scholarship. So I go and I quit to my boss. I have this amazing scholarship. I got to go. It actually was like 60 70% of the tuition, um, which was a lot of money. And I wanted to study in the U.S., and I didn't know how, how to pay for it. But then all of a sudden, that came. I went to my boss, and I'm quitting. Here's the letter. And he's like, no, no, you're not leaving. You got to stay. You got to help me with the project. I'm like, well, we'll have this stuff. Well, the company's going to give you that. All right. So I'll stay one year. Second year, I'm like, I'm leaving. Now I'm leaving. You know, they saved me the spot for one year. It's like, no, no, you're not leaving. You stay in another year. I'm like, okay, but increase then the tuition. So it covers 100%. And then wow. when I got to the 100%, Berkeley called me. And Berkeley's like, you are coming to Berkeley. I'm like, whoa. So we went from, you know, Emory to Berkeley. Emory, they hate me because I said yes to the years and then I said no. But I ended up in, in, in Berkeley, and that, those are the things that, you know, coincidences that happen, that you're like, right. well, if I had gone to Kellogg, I don't know, I would have paid for that tuition. Yeah. Ended up in Berkeley and doing a nice, very nice. Actually, my partners and my friends today are from Berkeley. Wow, that's crazy. You know, you mentioned some of these people that, that you looked up to when you were growing up and that you wanted to work with. Any other people in your life that you would consider, you know, helped shape who you are today? You mentioned your dad. Let's talk a little bit about that. Who are some of those people that most shaped your life and how? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely my dad is a figure. Um, very important one, you know, see what, how he worked, how hard he worked. And at the same time, for me, it's very important how he was working like crazy. At the same time, dedicating time to his kids. You know, took me to baseball practice, took me to tennis practices, took me to, you know, everything that he could. And I said, wow. And, and he running his own business. My mom, you know, typical in Latin America, she was supportive you know, how they say, you know, behind every great man, there's a great woman. My mom was behind, you know, supporting all the, the house. From a family perspective, you know, I was thankful to, to, to have the family that I had. Professional perspective, I had uh, the opportunity to every job that I had, opportunity that I had, I always had somebody to look up to. Starting with, you know, the company in, in Venezuela, there's um, in Procter & Gamble, Fine One, was an amazing guy. Uh, and I learned a lot from Winston, who's got his name. And then I went to this Verizon company and actually... It's funny that Miguel Natuil is, is a friend now. He was the guy that who said all the time, you're staying, you're staying, you're staying. His daughter is working for me years. She's out there. <laughs> um, you know, those paybacks, and she's amazing, actually. Um, then Sergio Zeman, it's a great um, 
marketing. It was a great marketing character from, that I learned from. And then again, it, there's a lot of, um, not unknown, but, you know, a lot of people that you surround yourself with. You know, that typical saying is, you know, the five people that you're around or the right. five people that are shaping you. And you. there's a lot of cliche on that, but there's a lot of reality, Truth, you know. Yeah. If you go and you hang around with people that are smoking, chances are you're going to end up smoking at some yeah. point. And you hang around with people that are super fit, you know, all the time. And you know, all that they're thinking about is eating healthy and, and working out. Chances are you're going to, because that's the standard. Yeah, It's just setting up the standards. And, you know, I try to set up the standard with people around me that at least is on the right direction, on the right path versus what we have. So it's a series of mentors and mini mentors, if you want to say. Right. If you could kind of go back to 10 years ago, what advice would you give yourself there's a lot that uh, would have changed in, in my business, for instance, um, in raising capital. Like, watch out when you raise capital. You know, it's impossible. I would I would tell myself, you know, be more savvy when you're raising capital. Uh, watch out the partners that you get into. Because, you know, if somebody's giving you a dollar, that's a responsibility that you have. At the same time, you know, some marriage that you're getting with that person that is investing in your company. So that's that's one that I... I I would have probably learned more about it and and, and get and teach myself more about it. And was it more? Is it more specifically about like the the legal aspects of it, or is it more about like the personal? It's a personal because once I'm, once you start growing and in your business, you, you know you need money, and you know it's like oh yeah, I just thought I need smart money, and that's so BS when you're actually needing the money. You are seeing that you need to pay uh, your dues and the payroll and stuff. It's like, and so I started like raising money left and right. And at some point it wasn't smart. Um, now I have the right partners, but it's a process you go through and you understand and you start learning, you know, who you should raise capital from and for what, and what are the expectations of those investors. Right. Uh, so that was something that I learned um, and would have done different, uh, differently. Now, you know, if I do, which I'm doing, I'm doing two, three things more and either I don't want partners there or I want specific investors. Right. Flip side of that question. So imagine Carlos from 10 years from now, is coming back to today. What piece of advice do you think you need to hear today? Um, relax. <laughs> relax. <laughs> relax. Yeah, that's one that, you know, again, the, um, being driven and, and always like rushing, I need to get this done and this needs to happen. And, you know, take a toll sometimes. And I'm like, ah, I should relax. You know, sometimes things like the thing that I, the story that I mentioned in Berkeley happened when I was more relaxed. Because you let things happen. You know, you're, you're working. I mean, I'm not saying be lazy. Keep doing your stuff, but you know when you let things happen, um, that's one thing that I that I will come back and say, dude, relax, take it easy. Because I see again the last five years, I taking some stress points in my life, and I'm like, it wasn't necessary, right? They know better because you have the problem in front of you, and you know, but but now in hindsight, like everything happened, and it was the worst that could happen. Right. So you know, if you start thinking with that mindset, what's the worst that could happen? That's why you know I think right today, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm more relaxed. Because I already went through, like I said before, you go, you have an issue. The issue that I had 10 years ago, it's not an issue today. Right. You've grown from it. You've learned from it. It's a yeah, joke. Yeah. I'm like, I was so wimp. <laughs> today, I'm like, okay, now my problem is big. And I'm sure that in 10 years, I'm say, you were a wimp. Right. Again, so don't. So that's why I say, relax, relax. Very cool. What's next for Carlos and for Powerful? We what, have are you, a, what are you cooking? What are you working on? What are you excited about? I'm very excited of um, the new partners that we have. We got, like I said, a, um, a new infusion of uh, capital from great partners, uh, local guys, and that's what I'm. That's what I like. Uh, Miami boys, um, the MNG MNG Equity Partners 
It's a group that they were the previous owners of uh, Navarro. Okay. Drugstores. Um, so Gabe and Marcel, a couple of uh, brothers are amazing guys, very savvy. Um, so I think they're the right partners. And I'm very, um, I'm looking forward to not only working with them, but we have a bunch of stuff we're going to launch. Uh, there's so many trends in the marketplace. It's so competitive. And yet we've proven that you know, it's going to be our seventh year. And I seen brands out, you know, going up and down, up and down, up and down and out. <laughs> and when you go to these shows like Expo West, we have an Expo West. It's a show in California where you have 6,000 booths, 6,000 brands, companies that you see. And next year, you're not going to see those brands out there. Mm. Uh, 80% will fail. So the fact that, you know, we're in the seventh year and we have a platform that people recognized um, and, and big partners like Walmart saying, it's, and I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised and amazed. And, and, and again, I'm grateful when you see Walmart calling me for innovation. What do you have new? You know, we see that you're connected with millennials. What do you have new? So it's interesting to see that. And we're going to launch soon, hopefully within the next three months, a plant-based, because all my products are dairy-based. Um, we're not married to any protein source, uh, but, you know, it's more available. It's easier. It's, it's, products are very tasty. Um, so now we're looking, we found a partner that's helping us in creating a product that is a plant-based drink. That's a huge market that you're going to be It's into. growing, but you know what What I like is that our drink is actually, again, the same DNA. It's a mainstream drink. Because if you see the majority of the vegan drinks... Tastes horrible. Tastes like... <laughs> you're right. You're it right. tastes horrible. Tastes horrible. Horrible. But, you know, people say, oh, this is healthy. Sometimes, actually, people, they don't know what they're eating or drinking uh, because it's plant-based and they think, that they think that they're having something that is super healthy. It's not. So what we're doing, again, is this is healthy. It's tasty. It's mainstream. It's not going to be grass and, you know, just green and white like everybody else. And, and, and you, you, especially when you see these trends right now, plan based, you go to Expo West, 80% of the brands out there are, you put green, you put white, you put grass, you put plant, you put in a blender, this is your brand. Right. We're not like that. I mean, we have a product that we know there's a mainstream product that tastes amazing and it's going to be plant based for those that want plant based. What I want to tap into also is, uh, you know, this, the curious people. There's a lot of people that, I love a steak, but I'm curious about, you know, that plant-based trend, what's going yeah. on there. I want to try it. So that's why I think that um, the Impossible Burger at Burger King is, is having so much success. It's not because vegan are now turning into Burger King and flooding the, the doors and buying the Impossible Burger. It's because there's a lot of people saying, hmm, if I have a Whopper, maybe I have a plant-based Whopper, it's better. So that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, that's what we're launching. It's a great drink that's going to be for mainstream market. You want plant-based? Here's it. You want Dairy-based, here's it. And, you know, at some point you want collagen, paleo, here's it. So, again, that's the nice thing that we created, the platform. You know, to your question, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about relaunching the, the brand and putting a lot more into the brand with what we're getting, um, the partnership that we're in with MMG. Um, and, again, I think that what I like to do is I, I, I walk through the supermarkets and I walk through the aisles and I see what's, where the junk is and what, what we can disrupt and we can do. And, man, I have, like, 20 different products I can launch. In my mind, I don't have the money to launch it right now, but you know, I'm sure at some point we're going to have it. And it's just a matter of disrupting the supermarket in light of the need of a consumer that they want cleaner products right. for real. Because there are a lot of companies that say, you know, this is natural. This is great tasting. And then you see all the ingredients, you're like, there's a lot of crap in there. So people, please be careful what you eat. And that's, that's a lot. That's what I like to do. That's what I'm doing. So switching into the Miami rapid fire segment, just going to throw out a few questions and you tell me um, the first thing that comes to mind. 
favorite Miami food spot and dish for you? I have a bunch. Um, and actually, I, I, it's occasion-driven. So date with my wife. There's a restaurant, right? I'm very lazy on that end. I love my beach. And, you know, okay. my team is always, always joking with me. You know the the security on those uh, supermarket carts yeah. that you can't get out of certain <coughs> right. perimeter? They're saying your car has that stuff. <laughs> I mean, you can't get out of 53140, 53139 because you don't go out. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love Nayara. It's down here. It's okay. a Thai restaurant. Uh, the chef is amazing. Chef B is actually an amazing entrepreneur. So that's what I like him. I like the, the what he have created. It's a great restaurant. What's your so, favorite dish there? So they have this um, beef jerky. Okay. It's it's an appetizer. It's amazing. It's it's not a typical beef jerky. As you can imagine, it's amazing. So that restaurant, um, Dolce, here on the beach with my wife again. They have a truffle pizza, white pizza, to die for. Um, and then I have an occasion for, with my kids, you know, the family occasion. There's a nice little restaurant. It's very family oriented in on the beach. It's called George. Okay. The nice thing is I go there. Where, where exactly? The it's, um, on 72nd street in Collins, um, uh, right there. It's a very small Italian restaurant. You go there and you ask for gnocchis and I want this sauce and this sauce and change it. Please do this, do that. Turn around. I want to call up and they do everything you want. So I love the restaurant and then Mr. Owan, the pizza with my kids. Okay. Mr. Owan is, I don't know if you know the story, the guy, I think he came here and he, he called it um, Visa one because he got the visa as an expert on doing pizzas. And then they changed it into Mr. Owan. Great. Pizza joint. Awesome. Um, so that's with my kids. I love it. Awesome. When you're stuck in traffic... If you ever get out of the, you know, three three one through nine, which there's no traffic, <laughs> because there's enough traffic in there yeah, for yeah, you. To yeah, go. yeah, yeah, there's enough. <laughs> if you're stuck in traffic, what are you listening to? Depending on the hour, I love to. Or if you're working out or whatever it is that you're doing, what are you typically listening to? So in the car, I listen to books. Okay. Uh, that's my reading time. Although I, my commute is very <laughs> short, but I, I listen to books. Any any books in particular that come to mind? That right now, I'm reading one that I love that is called Atomic Habits. It's incredible because it's how, you know, the little things in your life that you do create huge, huge changes. Who's the writer? I, I don't know. I don't remember. Atomic Habits? Atomic Habits. Okay. You know, little things like if you come, if you go from here to San Francisco and you deviate the nose of the plane just a few degrees, just a few, you end up in Japan. Yeah. So those little things, you know, what do you do every day? And, and life is every day. So, you know, sometimes we forget about it. You know, you take things for granted. You wake up, you do this thing, you just... You know, take your cup of coffee, then you probably get mad at the neighbor that is yelling at you. And all those little things is what you're living. So that, that book is amazing. So I do that. I love to, when I work out, I like music. Nothing else but music. And I have a wide variety of music that you hear my playlist from my gym and you, this guy is nuts. Like salsa and then Metallica and then Shakira with Carlos Vives. And then I all okay. that. I love it. Um, but yeah, music and, and, and books, when I, I try to maximize the time. So there's one thing that we're doing with my wife right now that I love it is we wake up very early in the morning. We try to do a lot of stuff there. Meditation and reading and uh, I'm trying to learn Italian. Okay. But again, it's those things that have atomic habits. You know, if I dedicate 10 minutes of it to Italian every day, you know, you add up to the entire, right. you're doing that and then you some Italian has to <laughs> so stick in my mind. <laughs> so when you guys are, when, when you're talking about doing stuff with your wife, is it that she's also reading the same book with you? Or are you guys reading just separate books or how are you guys doing that? Yeah, separate books. We, separate try, to, books. we try to then, you know, join and talk about that. I mean, there's 
lots of uh, superficial conversations, of course, of course. but we try to talk about yeah. the book. So she's reading and trying to improve the family and, and going after that. Very cool. What's your favorite way to spend a Miami weekend? Um, we got into this club lately that is a boat club. Super cool, man. You can ride a boat and they have it. I mean, it's all over the country. They have it here in South Beach in, um, what's the name of this restaurant? Monty's? Yeah. Yeah. Right there, that marina. So you go out and my, my favorite days, I go out with the family on some friends. It's small boats, 24, 22 feet. And then we go out the entire day, you know, Miami. Actually, I love Miami right now. You know, with yeah. this weather, it's amazing. So we went on, we went out on Sunday. It was beautiful. It was a little bit chilly, but amazing. So we go out and we go home, pool and barbecue. And what's the name of the, the club? Freedom Boat Club. Freedom Boat, okay. So that is the perfect day for me is boat, pool, barbecue. Amazing. And when I'm doing that and I'm like joking with my wife, do you realize that people actually pay for the vacation to do what we do every single weekend? <laughs> well, and it's funny because I... It, I just had um, Jacqueline Baumgarten from Boat Setter on, on oh, the yeah. show. And we She's, were talking about how like an incredible, how different the experience is. Experiencing Miami from the water, it's just a completely different world I've, than agree. from land. Agree. And, you know, and if somebody hasn't done it, they need to because. Agree. And, you know, that's actually what, what was the, the, the turning point for me because we were like, we, I didn't have a boat. I never, never in my life had a boat. So this was a perfect opportunity because, you know, you pay for it fractional. It's just uh, every month you have a, a rent and that's it. And then it's a different life. I'm like, we can't miss this part of Miami. If not, you know, go to live in Savannah, whatever. I mean, yeah. whatever. I mean, this place is amazing from the water. Yeah. And we bought a little barbecue and on the boat and, you know, it's, it's just incredible. Awesome. And I like my kids also, you know, when they're on the boat, there's no iPad, there's no cell phone, there's nothing. I mean, they're in a different world and that's what I love to seeing them on that on that um, environment. Any other businesses or people in Miami that you, you want to show a little bit of love to that you would like to give a shout out to that are doing amazing things, you know, amazing companies or whatever. There, there are a bunch. And you know, I, I you mentioned, um, of a boat setter and, um, I have, I'm part of Endeavor okay. Endeavor network. And Endeavor Miami, I, I met a lot of great entrepreneurs, you know, um, Pincho factory, this is guy auto, it's amazing. He's a great entrepreneur and what they have done with Pinterest, it's incredible. Um, there's this guy over here that I, he's the owner of um, Anatomy, the gym right here. Yeah. Mark Megna is amazing. I mean, the guy, he just launched, he wrote a book and he just launched a documentary. You see his movie and you're like, whoa. I did not know. I'm that. lazy. You know, he guy that since he was 12 years old, he's waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning to run and, you know, he worked his way through every single problem and everything is like hard, but I will do it and I will tear walls apart to make things happen. Right. You see him and you're like, whoa, what am I complaining about? Uh, you know, the, the, the consistency, the discipline, his uh, morale, his ethic is just something else. Something right. else. That guy is amazing. Um, awesome. And then the guy right here, I mean, Chef B. What I mentioned, Chevy right here from Anayada. I mean, there are a lot of entrepreneurs here. There are a lot of, I'm part of this other group right now that I found a group of nine people that they are running businesses. And it's amazing to see how everybody's just in their own struggle, uh, but, you know, doing the same drive and, and working like crazy and making things happen and improving the, not only their life, but also the life that are around them. I mean, just inspired by that. Uh, that's, so that's why I love being an entrepreneur. I love being part of that. And I love being part of that kind of society of people right. that is trying to make things better 
Of course, for a profit, no? <laughs> Before we close, anything that maybe we didn't touch on that you would like to kind of bring up, anything that you would like to share with the listeners or advice or anything? The mic is yours. In general, you know, I think that um, when I see a lot of people, and I like to share this a lot, that they want to be entrepreneurs, I, I want to, you know, if they're listeners that they want to be entrepreneurs, a lot of people ask me like, you know, what is that turning point? What is that thing that you do that makes you take the decision? I'm like, well, take, just jump for it. I mean, it's, again, it sounds cliche, but there's no other way. Just cut ties and go into it. And there are a lot of um, problems, barriers. Like I said before, good, bad, and the ugly that you will find that will, will happen for sure. And, you know, you have to acknowledge they want that will happen. So you have that already cleared and then just go for it. Um, there's one thing, if you go out in this office, you see two phrases on the door, on the walls. There's one that says, uh, defy the odds uh, and prove them wrong. Those I love. And that's what we put on the wall here. You know, we have, I don't know how many no's I had from a buyer, from a private equity, from no's and no's and no's and no's and no's. But you have that one guy, that Navarro family, that, you know, Walmart guy, that, that is telling you yes. That boom, opens a bunch of doors. And then you have, again, 99 no's and then one yes. And that's why when they tell me no, I love it. I really, now I'm taking that attitude of tell me no, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> and I prove you wrong. So that's what I put on the wall. And my team's like, guys, see that, read that every day because that's part of it. Defy the odds. I love it. I think <laughs> that's a fantastic way of closing it out. Carlos, if people want to find out more about you, the company, if they want to connect with you, what's the best way? Where can they reach you? So, domain of a company, the website is powerful.co. Best way to find about the products and buy the products and know where we can, where we can get them because some of them are refrigerated, so it's hard to buy them online. Um, the company you'll see um, at powerful.foods is our Instagram. Then you can have a lot of information about, about our products. My my personal Instagram is at powerful CEO. It's a uh, you'll see my Instagram is a uh, I try things for the company a lot, and then I put something here and there for my mom. Okay, <laughs> so I'll see a lot of pictures for my mom. There. <laughs> hey, what are the kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put some, something on there for them, for my mom. Um, and then you know, my personal email, I'm open all the time, open book. So carlos at powerful.co, you know, totally open to answer questions or, you know, there's always opportunities uh, for growing here and, and open to that. Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure to link to everything on the show notes for the, for the episode. Carlos, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. Was, I enjoyed a lot. Awesome. Let's go eat some yogurt. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.